listeners, you're listening to another episode of Beckett's Babies. We're your hosts, Sarah Cho. And Sam Collier. And today we are going to be talking about comedy for the first part in our series of what we hope will be many episodes about comedy um, and humor and what makes people laugh and why um, humor is important and laughter is important. And Sarah Cho, since you are one of the funniest people I've ever met. Oh, stop. Um, <laughs> and uh, your plays are usually very funny. Um, I just want to ask, I want to start out by asking you uh, what you have to say about comedy. Yeah. So when you brought up that on the show, we should talk about comedies. Um because you heard it over on an episode of a of a podcast. Yeah, on three on the aisle. They were like, yeah. they were like, where is the comedy mm-hmm. in American theater? And I was like, um, it's in Sarah Cho's plays. <laughs> um, first of all, what I I immediately was just feeling like, oh God, I hate comedy. That was my. <laughs> reaction because i was just like i hate comedy so much i have such a this is what la has done to you weird love hate relationship with comedies because i think uh i've done it for so long uh like that you know i don't know i'll talk about this like why um why i'm gonna talk about comedies i'll talk a bit about my background but uh it's this, like, I don't know how to say it. This is sounds horrible, but I'm in, like, an abusive relationship. Uh, <laughs> okay. Oh, I shouldn't have laughed right there. Okay. Uh, okay. That's not funny. It's um, not funny, but it, but like, it's... Well, tell me, explain that metaphor to me a little bit yes. more. I think it's, it's this constant chase of, like, why won't it like me back? <laughs> like, why? what am I doing wrong? <laughs> Why won't it like me back? Like, I'm the problem in this relationship or like, but I keep wanting more of it. You know what I mean? Do you mean like, what do you mean comedy won't like you back? Um, Because sometimes so much of comedy, right, is about reaction. Is that mm-hmm. when you put thing on the stage, you think it's, are the audience laughing or not? Like, that is the best acid test of the whole thing. It's like, mm-hmm. if the audience is not laughing, that there's nothing working. There's nothing funny about it. Mm-hmm. Um. If there's a chuckle, uh, it's probably like a sympathy laugh because they're just like, "Oh, this is so cringe." Uh, mm-hmm. But there's some reaction. But what but you it's like want? Conscious, because the best kind of laughter yeah. is that like involuntary reaction yeah. that just yeah. erupts out of people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there's that, and this, I, and for the longest time, I just thought, "Oh, I'm just gonna say funny things," and then or where write funny things, say funny things. And if people, and that's what's funny. But mm-hmm. I think it's more than that. There's a lot of mechanics behind it. There has to be a setup, to a punchline. People love making connections. They love callbacks. They love all these things. Like audience want to feel like they are part of it, but at the same time, they're, they – are smarter than what's happening, you know? So you're kind of like having to beat them to the punch, like mm-hmm. to, so you're the, all the elements of twists and turns and surprises. Like, so 
it's so mechanical. It's so sometimes very strategic, structured, um, and that it's uh, that you it, sometimes it's not fun anymore. <laughs> um, that's why I'm like maybe that's what I'm talking about. Was like it's this when I say abusive relationship. <laughs> it's I just feel like I'm constantly trying to to work it out. <laughs> I don't know. Is there a way in which you're? Um- you're chasing that feeling of comedy that you had when you fell in love with it. And you can't, you feel like you can't get back to that because now, um, you know too much in a way or like you, I think it's a common. Yeah. It's, it could be that, um, because it's like one thing to, you're just like, in front of your friends, you're telling a funny story or you're just like making fun of someone, you know, you're just kind of on this, you're with friends and know you. So you know, like, it's mm-hmm. one thing to um, make people laugh just out of common knowledge or common familiarity, you know, mm-hmm. but, but when you're, so you're trying to take that what's universal What's your point of view about it? What's the character's point of view about it? And will the audience, is there something there that we could all laugh at? Right. And then, so it's like trying to understand. Because sometimes maybe like, sometimes I think I'm like, okay, like this was a bit too uh, uh, literary. <laughs> like for some reason, it's like, it's a, it's a, it's a dumb joke about being and I did a little too much, talked a little too much about it. And like, and then no one's really laughing because then maybe because no one, not everyone agrees with it. And mm-hmm. it's like, it's just, and I mean, yeah, this well, is why it's a series because we're like, there's so much talk to talk about. Um, and then, and I think that, um, yeah, this is just like, We'll talk. We'll get into it more <laughs> over the year. I wonder I guess. though if you're c- capturing something that is really true in so many um, art forms, or even in mm-hmm. things that as as you become more skilled at something, um, it's reminding me of um, examples I've heard from artists where they say, you know, when you you fall in love with theater or comedy or whatever it is that you're pursuing because you have some kind of talent and you're given these moments early on where just, you know, it feels so amazing to make a whole room full of people laugh. But then the more you learn about, I mean, in order to achieve that through skill and through actually knowing how it works, Mm -hmm. um, you have to kind of let go of the experience the the delightful experience that has been handed to you like almost serendipitously um so that you can learn how to do it intentionally and reliably and understand all the inner workings and and so when you're in that process it feels like you fall out of love with the thing that got you into it in the yeah. first place but hopefully on the other side of that is to be able to do it again without thinking about all the little details that, that you can achieve that kind of feeling um, with skill, with a combination of skill and talent rather than just like talent and luck. Yeah. So funny that you said, because when you say skill, right, 
Yeah. I think my biggest frustration is like, here I am. You know, I was like, I'm like literally studying. I've taken classes. I, you know, put in the man hours of going up on stage. I've like doing everything. Like I want to learn this craft more and yeah. more. Yeah. Which in, in the world, it's like I'm competing with the the uh, the amateurs, the, the technology, like the social media. Like they mm. just like post like, oh, you know, here's my cat doing this weird thing or like, oh, this like I'm just going to post my me eating this giant cookie in 10 seconds and see it all barf <laughs> you know like there's all this that you're like and they go viral they go famous I'm and then so and you're like okay what does the audience want from this you're like yeah constantly observing asking you know what was it about those that are just like people de- delighted and love to see then I'm like well how do I best imitate that or how do I bring that in a more um like complex wave that's the best way to say it yeah you know but it's like I feel like it's this constant competition with the what we know what we think we know about comedy the you know whether it be like SNL stand-up comedy if your favorite comedians you have seen and then like the world technology and where that is heading you know and it's Mm -hmm. like and then I know a lot of comedians like join like things like TikTok and th- things like that. And they're like, the audience is there that you can make all your funny videos there. And you're going to get followers. And then here you go. And I'm like, but I also don't want to do comedy in 10 seconds. <laughs> like I don't right. want to do that. Like that's because if that's the world is heading that our attention spend is getting shorter and shorter. Like, but I'm like, that's also my resistance. Like I don't want to do that. Um, like, because sketches on SNL is like six, seven minutes, but videos on YouTube, like sketches is about under 33 minutes. Wow. And then the, and I think that because of that one yeah. is like, obviously SNL is, they, uh, what I've learned is like, they, they have these large set pieces. So you're not going to move constantly moving the sets like every right, 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 five right. minutes. It's too expensive and there's a lot. So, and they already have this format, but the audience, the internet itself they don't want to waste time they don't like there's so much content out there they're not gonna they don't want to invest in like a six minute digital video when there's shorter funnier things under that do you think Um, it's gonna at some point go back in the other direction though I mean I just think you can only you can only get shorter and shorter and shorter up until a certain point Mm -hmm. you know and then at that point you're just telling a joke and, yeah, and there's no story. Like, I, I mean, if you get short enough, there's no story, and and yeah. I think people are gonna want to go back in the other direction. I mean, I said this on the show, I think, but and I think it's starting to happen. But you know, like I think more people are reading books and watching TV because yeah. I think where everyone is just overly exposed with everything, all the content that's out there. So like, I do kind of believe, like, I think we're gonna get to like, oh, more longer pieces. Like even myself where I just sketch comedy, like, like, even though we're like, oh, short, fast, sweet, like, that's what we want. But I'm like, but can I come up with ideas, like comic ideas that says, hey, it needs to be five minutes long, it needs to be six minutes mm-hmm. long. you know. And, that, and my brain is already kind of like wanting to go there. Um, 
Right. But, well, and and the reason people watch SNL, you know, I mean, I think part of the difference is when you are watching a sketch on SNL, you know it's going to pay off. Whereas if you're watching amateurs on YouTube, it might be somebody you've never heard of. And so you're not going to invest as much time because it might ultimately be not that good. Um, right. And and also you're scrolling and and you're it's competing for your attention with all these other things in your life um, mm-hmm. when you're looking at your phone. Whereas if you go to the theater, I think you you have, hopefully, you have more goodwill from the audience to kind of sit there and watch yeah. Um, yeah. a longer piece. Yeah. You know what I think it is, is that, and I think this is probably all art forms, but if it's like if people make it so fun, it looks so easy to do, and then it's like people are like, oh, I can do that. Right. Yeah. And then that's like, um, but I think that's a part of that skill is like, how are you able to do it so seemingly easy and fun and good that makes people want to do it, which is such a weird um, mm-hmm. dynamic. Um, so, yeah, people are probably wondering, how long have I been doing comedy? Are you guys yeah, wondering? They are wondering. <laughs> okay. Uh, other than telling my story, telling funny stories to my friends since I was nine. Um, I think I was first introduced to comedy was Whose Line Is It Anyway? I think that was like the show that oh, it probably wow, everyone I forgot saw. about that. Yeah. And if you're, you know, a poor kid in LA uh, and your life at home sucks, you escape into TV and that's what I did. And I came across Whose Line Is It Anyway? And I would just watch that for hours and mm-hmm. not knowing that this was all improvised. Like I honestly thought it was scripted because mm-hmm. like, I, the concept of making stuff up, it, it didn't occur to me. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was my introduction. And I think I wasn't sure. Like I was like, do I want to, I like comedy. I like, do, I like making my friends laugh. I just don't know what this thing is. And then it wasn't until I got into college, I saw a show in my college, it was like this improv show. And I was like, this is like, whose line is it anyway? Oh, so this is called improv? Like, oh, this is what people are doing to make thing, things up. And then, so, you know, thank God for the internet. After learning <laughs> that, I just started doing this Google search. What is improv? Mm-hmm. You know, who does improv? And I'm like running across all these names, like all the the the, the people who did Second City. I'm running into like Gilda Renner. I'm running into... Um, Adam Sandler was my, you know, favorite at the time. Like, I'm just, like, running. And, like, they all did some kind of improv or did stand-up comedy. And so I literally, I was, like, Googled, where can I take improv classes, you know? Mm-hmm. And then I saw that in L.A. they were offering classes, and it was at UCB. So, you know, at the time, UCB was, like, I didn't know it was, like, that big, but I, I saw the names associated with UCB, like Amy Poehler, and I'm like, oh, she's on SNL. Like she, I, so I just started like making connections with that. So while I was in college, I would drive down to LA, oh, from Santa Barbara to LA almost every Saturday just to take this class. Um, and that was like my first kind of like learning improv. And it was like so weird to be like a 19 years old in a <laughs> class full of like 30 year olds actors you know like all they, they all probably want to weren't do this 30 thing. they probably probably like 23 and they just seemed i don't know really <laughs> old because i was 19 yeah, yeah i felt really young i felt really inexperienced and like i'm like i'm not a performer but like i want to do more of this um 
Can you point to anything in particular that you feel like you um, learned from that class about how comedy works or how improv works? Yeah. What was your biggest takeaway? From my first experience, my biggest takeaway was um, like, listen, react. Ah. Just listen and react. And then, and I know that sounds so like simple or like that's, but I think now knowing what I know now is that we laugh the most when we see the character react. Like mm. we're they they're reacting to how ridiculous the situation they're 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 reacting like out of emotional rage or something like like you can't do this like you know like mm-hmm. you know and then we're loving seeing that character uh react so big over the most dumb small thing like mm-hmm. something about that it was like look people love to laugh at that mm-hmm. um so is that you so you mentioned earlier two terms um the setup and the callback and i i wonder if you would tell us what those mean but also i wonder whether just seeing somebody react is like a really really miniature version of both of those things together that like if something happens in an improv scene, we are set up to to expect some kind of reaction, and then the reaction itself is causing us to look backward at that setup. Yeah, in a way. yeah, yeah. That's interesting to put it that way. Yeah. So, um, I think you're, the thing I said was setup and punchline, but oh, okay, yeah, mm-hmm. it's sort of part of that. Like, so I'm sure everyone has heard of like a stand-up comedy like you're listening and the this the joke teller or the stand-up comedian is like setting up the scene they're setting up the norm of this reality like that we're all we could all recognize that we're like okay um here's a restaurant uh we all know the waiter the all the people the people come and order something what is the unusual thing? And that's what you see people say all the time. What's the unusual thing that starts okay. happening? Okay. And then so the waiter has some kind of uh, a personality disorder or like so has some weird thing that keeps thinking like uh, repeats the order over and over. And then, the, and then the customers are getting really frustrated. They're like, no, we already ordered this. <laughs> like <laughs> stop bringing us the same food over and over. Like become like an order. And that you see, so, and I think the comedian, your job, I think, is taking that to all the way to the end to the most unexpected place, like taking it just to the extreme of ridiculousness. And so you're setting it up and that's, that's still setting up, like you're still Mm -hmm. setting it up. The punchline or the callback usually uh, is I sometimes use callbacks in a sketch to sort of like as a way to just like tie up the whole thing to kind of like a bookend this thing to just mm-hmm. this is the end. We all recognize this that happened earlier. So um, it's a way to remind that, people of what they saw before. Yeah. And then how what that was said earlier, what that was done earlier, we're seeing it again, but in a different way. And then that connects to this whole thing uh, of the joke. Okay. Um, so that's sort of that. And then the punchline is that same idea is that we're how to get, here's the thing, like how to get to the punchline is 
at some point in the joke, the sketch, there has to be a twist, a turn where you did not unexpect it. Mm-hmm. Um, that still makes sense in the logic of the world, <laughs> of the story. It all makes sense, but it it did not you didn't you didn't expect to go there, mm-hmm. and then to get to that punchline, you're just like, oh, it it it's typically like as the writer, you're sort of making fun of this whole comic idea what that's just been established, you know. So. Um, it seems so like, the, in a way, you're talking about. I mean, at the most simple level, it's about pattern and variation that yeah, things repeat really. and then things vary, almost yeah. like music, um, mm-hmm. except it's happening at an emotional level to make people laugh, right. I guess. Um, yeah. And then I think, and I'm, I'm kind of referring a lot to sketch comedy because it's just, you know, what I'm doing right now a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it it has the elements of the basic storytelling, the narrative, you know, like opening, mi- first act, second act, third act, first beat, second beat, third beat, uh, the resolution, the punchline, the the callback, the turn, you know? So it's kind of yeah. ends there. So it, but it's all in this like bite-sized form. Um, yeah. And so I think, I'm when you when you say patterns and variations, like it's absolutely correct. And then each time you so once you first establish that pattern and you come back to that pattern, you are not repeating the pattern in in a sense. It's like it's the exact same thing, but mm-hmm. you are finding ways to heighten it, making it work. Like I like the yeah. Uh, like the okay, is that for these? straight characters in the sketch comedy how am i making it worse for them so mm-hmm. i just made an example of this waiter has like who keeps bringing stuff like first brought first repeats their order brings their same order and then maybe they maybe they, he starts bringing another couple that looks exactly like them sets it down and they're like <laughs> what, what's going on like you're what is wrong with you like you're just repeating this uh exchange this like this like <laughs> customer relationship you're like what is wrong with you and then it's like maybe the the, the punchline to this all is that this is a restaurant that duplicates you and you're 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 cloned thank you so much for coming in <laughs> you know like i don't know i'm talking about that but you know what i mean so, yeah um so that's in essence, how a, a sketch comedy word. Now that I just said that, I'm going to write that down for my sketch team. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, I, I think that sounds super smart. It's like, like a theory of comedy that you just mm-hmm. told us all. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so, and everything I just said, I think this is my frustration, is that this is the structure. Like, this is the the mechanics and I'm always feeling I'm stuck in it sometimes because mm-hmm. it's it. I think it also helps because if everyone is doing the same thing, it's just easy to identify the problems when you know the structure mm-hmm. and you're like, oh, it's not. This isn't. The, there, there's no turn here. There's no or there's no. Um, what's the third beat of this? You know, like it because it's and that so might formal. tell you why it's not funny. Yeah. 
But I think the audience, I'm starting to feel maybe, maybe, maybe because maybe the we're performing sketch comedy to other sketch com- comedians, not really like regular people, <laughs> but it's like they all see that and they're just like, oh, cool. Like I, they did that third beat really well. Great. <laughs> you know? And do they, are they generous with their laughter, these other sketch comedians, or are they kind of um, jaded and you oh, have to work no. harder to make them laugh? I no, I'm really lucky that I'm really part of a really good theater that's just all supportive all around. Oh, awesome! Yeah, so I really like it, and I just feel like it's been my home where um, I've been able to do a lot and um, put those reps in, and just like um, so, I definitely feel like the Sarah Cho that was writing comedies like five years ago for sure mm-hmm. has like changed and developed you know like that's not <laughs> like I'm like I used just to do just like for the sake I don't know I don't know like I said I was just like oh I'll just say funny things without doing anything about it or whatever I'll be random or I'll just do this without thinking what's the cause and effect here let's what a to b you know like how do I get from a to z and how do I you know it's like I think the sketch comedy really helped me maneuver Mm-hmm. better and which you know again it's like and we talked I think we talked about this last year in terms of just like being able to absorb doing all different forms like different mediums because I think it helps and it feeds to your larger goal um so yeah mm-hmm. yeah so what happened I did improv I graduated college I moved to Iowa and I kind of basically did the exact same thing. Like I was like, oh, I'm going to take a mega bus, go all the way to Chicago. <laughs> I'll take improv classes there because I've always wanted right, to yeah. the second city and go to Chicago where all the funny people are, are from and do funny <laughs> things. And that was insane to do. Like Friday, 2 a.m., like drive to get to the yeah. 6 a.m. Yeah. to take a 9 a.m. class. I'm there all day. I take the mega bus back to Iowa. Uh, I That's a four-hour r- bus ride, right? Four yeah, or five yeah. hours? Yeah. Four, four bus hour. Um, bus ride in. Wow, Sarah. It's like, this is what I'm saying. I'm in an abusive relationship. <laughs> or you're committed to your art. I don't know. Like, it's 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 insanity. Like, my obsession with this was just insane. I... Anyways. Well, maybe that leads to a bigger question that we could end up, end this episode on, which is um, what to try to get inside of that obsession with comedy at a larger level. Why do you think people need comedy and humor in our lives? Why is it is laughter necessary? Um, and why are, why could somebody be so dedicated to comedy, for example? that she would be on a bus for 10 hours in one day um, just to go learn more yeah. about it. Yeah. You know, one is just pure joy. Like, I mm-hmm. just love it. I do, like, love comedy. I love laughing. I love um, listening to stand-up comedy and listening to the – the point of view. I love laughing at things. Um, and, and I think there's just something about like, it's, it's so, it's always changing because the world mm-hmm. is changing. 
Like mm-hmm. it, comedy that we think we know. If you if you were to look listen to stand up comedy or uh, from like the fifties, you're like <laughs> you're like Chuck. I'm like okay, I kind of see what they're trying to do. Uh, I see the referencing thing that I have, I have no idea what they're talking about, but like, uh, it's not going to be, you're not connected to it. As yeah. Now. And that's why, so comedy is just this ever changing. And I think maybe that is why I like it because like, I'm, I'm just a very like, uh, like I can't stick to one thing. And so, and then, so I'm like, oh, here's a comedy that's like, oh, that's ever changing. And, um, there's always new people trying to do different things with it. And, um, and you're, and it's just like, it's so political. Like I can't, I don't know what it is Mm -hmm. about it, but because it's so connected to what is happening in the world currently, like the current events, Mm -hmm. like if you think about um, all those political shows or comedy shows, like the daily show, like people get their news from sometimes from the Daily Show or right, John Oliver right, right. Uh, last week tonight. Um, there's just something about what's happening, and and not gonna lie, like right now, what's happening in the world is horrific, and to be able to find some light in it and be able to laugh at it, and and when you're laughing at it, you're being critical of it, and so mm-hmm. and it, and, and it sets you apart from it it gives you some distance maybe mm. from the terrible thing um yeah. because to be able to laugh at it means that you can hold on to your soul <laughs> i don't know i'm i'm kind of riffing yeah. here off of what you said but i think yeah. that's really true that if you're able to laugh at a terrible thing that's unfolding mm. or a painful thing um yeah. or a scary thing then it gives you in a way it gives you some psychic mm. space from that totally and 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 that's one thing i notice that that when i run into people when i meet people who do comedy i'm like oh like something happened to them like they were just like in uh, you know uh-huh. they were nerd or they're like they were socially weird or they were all like they're the fat kid you know they always like you know there's something about it's it's i i don't know what i i always i, I don't know who i said this to but I just feel like comedy is this weird, like, fraternity of broken people mm-hmm. <laughs> like, that, mm-hmm. but that were able to come out of it, you know, and then and to laugh at Because, like I mentioned, I was like, when I was a kid, uh, like, I was constantly moving around. I never felt accepted anywhere. Um, but then wherever I go, if I met someone and I made them laugh. Mm-hmm. I because I was able to laugh at myself. Mm-hmm. Like I mean something about myself and they're laughing at me. Um, but like I beat them to the punch, like, oh, before they make fun about my weird tooth, I'm gonna make fun about my weird tooth. And then it's like then they there's something there that's like, oh, they're like it's like a nice uh yeah, it is a defense mechanism for sure. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um like it's protecting yeah, yourself totally. in a way. But I think that but, it, but that, it, it's a it's a defense mechanism that builds community in a way or helps you um yeah connect to people. Well, and I think yeah, I think that's really true and I think this fraternity or sorority or non-gendered 
a collection <laughs> yes. of broken people um can in a way can can show all of us how to survive in this era we live in because they have developed those skills of yeah laughing at laughing at bad things <laughs> i don't know yeah totally um, yeah that makes a lot of sense yeah so yeah i mean there's a lot to unpack about comedies and so we're gonna take our sweet ass time yeah <laughs> more to year. come yeah um i'm hoping i'm like thinking of people i've worked with uh who are really good at what they do um, that I'm hoping to bring on to the show and interview and get their take on comedy because cool. I'm just one person. <laughs> There's like a bunch of people out there doing so many cooler, amazing things than me. <laughs> but uh, and they just they they've done it so long, like longer than me. The people who've done it longer too are just like their brain is just full of information. Mm-hmm. Um, and then and not just like sketch comedy, but like stand up and. Uh, characters, storytelling, sitcom writers, like there's just so much type of comedy out there that yeah. I feel like getting all their insights will be cool. Um, so yeah, this is our part one of this series. Yeah, and then, definitely. Yeah. And then hopefully people will be like, oh, I can do that too. Great. Welcome to the club. Misery. <laughs> no run away while you still can run away while you still can you've heard how terrible it can be stop playing this episode no more (laughs) stop listening to this uh all right well so sarah um shall we move into glistens yes let's move to glistens um you want to go for it i'll go first i saw on friday i finally saw um the oscar nominated short films the live action ones uh-huh. Have you seen them? No. Oh my god. Okay, well first of all, you have to see them. They're all so good. Except to be honest, the one that actually won, which is called something like The Neighbor's Window. I I thought I mean it was good, but I I didn't I wasn't as enamored with it as the other ones. Um but prepare yourself because they are super dark. Mm. All except the last one are super dark um but really really good and and i'm still thinking about there's one called saria which is about um this group of girls in guatemala living in an orphanage and the horrors and abuse that they are Mm. that they endure it's based on a true story um very yeah really sad but then the final one which is called nefta football club um which you can actually watch on online. I think it's available. They're probably all available online. Um, it's it's. I think that was my favorite. It is so good. It's so well structured. And speaking of comedy, it ends with this visual gag. I guess for lack of a better word, this joke um, that that really I found so delightful. Um, so yeah, I think those two were my favorites, but they were all really good. But just mentally prepare yourself mm-hmm. if you see them. 
Are they anywhere between like 10 minutes to 30 minutes long? Or are they all like... Yeah, I think most of them were about 20 minutes. I think there were five Mm -hmm. of them. I really lost track of time. I mean, this just gives you a sense of where I am in Maine right now. I was the only person in the theater. (laughs) Friday night. amazing. 7.30. I had the theater all to myself. Yeah. Um, and, And because especially the first two... I mean, really, one, two, and four are just brutal. Um, I've really lost track of time. Like, I had no idea. But I think they're all about 20 minutes or so. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Really, really good. I haven't seen the animated ones yet. Um, What's your glisten? Well, so last week, I was really sick. Just, uh, I got this really bad cold. And... Um, I wasn't drinking coffee for that whole time, mm-hmm. and this is a lame glisten, but I just want everyone to know <laughs> that I've been sleeping really well. <laughs> Have you been sleeping like a teenager? Yes. Like, I've been, like, getting these nice, deep, oh, long sleep. And I think it really is because of the coffee I was drinking. Yeah. Like, I was drinking coffee, I was drinking coffee almost every day, and... I've cut back from it almost completely, pretty much. Um, and I've been sleeping so well. And I'm like, wow. Yeah. All my weird jitters, all my weird, like, staying up really late and just, like, it's just all the caffeine in me. Do you think up. you'll stay off caffeine for a while? Oh, good question. I I think I'm going to try. I want to try. I, I think, though, because I love um, – the taste of coffee yeah <laughs> um, like that's what i like and then i don't like i wanted the taste of it sometime um there's always decaf i it's not good it's not as good i know i know like sometimes well you know michael pollan in his new audiobook about caffeine Ooh. he talks about how he um and i only know this because he did an interview but yeah. he stopped drinking coffee for three months and was only drinking herbal tea and then when he he like set aside a day. It was a Saturday when he was going to have his first cup of coffee in three months. And he was like, that was the best (laughs) coffee I've ever had in my life. Like just the arrival of caffeine in his bloodstream after three months off was, it felt so good. And then he was filled with the urge to like go accomplish things. And he had a really productive Saturday. And so then for a while he was only drinking it on Saturdays. And wow. and I I found that very interesting. If I could get myself to stop drinking it for a while, I think a major benefit would be just to see how it feels to go on it again. Mm. I'll I'll let you know. Maybe in three months I'll have the coffee again, and then I'll let you know. Okay. Well, <laughs> I and all of our listeners will look forward to hearing about that. Uh, all right, that's our episode. Uh, listeners, you know what to do, okay? And you've been awesome for those who've been doing it, but sharing, <laughs> subscribing, liking, you know, all the good stuff. <laughs> and tell us what makes you laugh. We want to know what you think yes. is funny. Yeah. Um, and what questions you have about comedy, because this will be an ongoing series, so we're really looking forward to um bringing on people to talk about comedy, answering any questions you have about comedy. Yeah. Tell us your favorite comedies, etc. And maybe everything I just said was BS and you're like, Sarah, you're 
like doesn't make any sense. You're all wrong. <laughs> and then prove me wrong. Like, yeah, I love that. I love I love a good debate. <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right. Thanks for listening. Bye.